You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. This morning we are continuing our Summer in the Psalms, and we're in Psalm 138. So if you have black, those black hardcover Bibles under your seats, page 521 uh, is where you'll find today's text. Psalm 138 is a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, it's a psalm about gratitude. So I don't know about you uh, and your own personality, your own outlook and disposition in life, but gratitude is not natural for me. Gratitude is not natural for me. Most of the time I experience a gravitational pull to focus on things that are not going well. So there can be all of these things that are going well in my life. There can be intact health for myself and my family or intact or even thriving relationships, um, God's provision of so many needs, relative stability in life. And I can just presume upon all of that. I can take all of that for granted, skip over it, and become fixated on what is bad, on what's complicated, what's stressful. So at least for me, and I would venture to guess at least for many of you, Gratitude is a discipline, not a disposition, but a discipline, Uh, something that requires intentional time and effort, something that requires reflection, remembrance, uh, realization. We have to realize again that, that the good things in our lives are not coincidence, but providence, that all is, is grace from God. And that that we have therefore countless opportunities each and every day of our lives to be grateful to him. Things to be grateful for and a living and a present God to be grateful to. So this morning as we look at Psalm 138, uh, my prayer has been this week leading up to today uh, that this would not be for us just a a passive kind of academic study. Uh, Let us not leave this morning simply with more knowledge about gratitude and what the Bible teaches about gratitude. But by the Holy Spirit's power, let's leave this morning as more grateful people. Let's leave with our eyes and our hearts more open, more perceptive to all the reasons that we have to be grateful to God. So let me pray for us toward those ends and then we'll dive into our text today. So let me pray. Lord God, help us now to know your ways. Teach us your paths. We pray by your Holy Spirit's power as we open your word this morning that you would lead us in your truth and that you would teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. And like the psalmist says, for you we wait all the day long. So we wait for you. We ask for you to show up now and move in power in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is our Savior and our God. Amen. Amen. I invite you now to listen with open ears to this book that we love. This is Psalm 138. Of David, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, 
he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And then verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is God's word. Psalm 138 uh, really kicks off the the fourth and final collection of psalms written by David. So throughout this book, there's four different collections of David's psalms. This is the beginning of the last collection there. Uh, And as we've already seen some this summer in this book of psalms, David doesn't author all the psalms, but he authors, authors many of them. And he authors all kinds of psalms filled with all different kinds of emotions. As much as any human being ever has, David lived his life before the face of God. He was aware in these moments of his life, he was aware of God's presence and God's power, the relevance of God to the experiences that he was going through. And all of that means that that David was a lot more grateful than I am. He was a lot more grateful than I am. So short as this psalm is, in Psalm 138, David is helping us see some of the reasons why he's so grateful so often. Three different kinds of gratitude that we see here in Psalm 138. First-hand gratitude, shared gratitude, and enduring gratitude. So we'll spend the rest of our time together talking about those three things. First-hand gratitude, shared gratitude, enduring gratitude. So first, let's think about first-hand gratitude. Uh, Albert Einstein once said, in theory, theory and practice are the same. In practice, they are not. Everyone heard that quote before? In theory, theory and practice are the same. In practice, they are not. In other words, it's one thing for us to have this conceptual big picture idea of what something is or how something works, but that's not at all the same thing as actually living it. And that very same thing is true in our relationships with God. It's one thing for you and I to know that God exists or to know some of God's characteristics, even as David starts this psalm, that that God is one who abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness. But it's another thing entirely to experience that. To, as David will write in Psalm 34, to taste and see that the Lord is good. To have our own first-hand encounters with God where we see his characteristics actually coming to bear in our real lives, in our real experiences. In contemporary Christian lingo, we might refer to this as the difference between knowing God in our heads and knowing God with our hearts. And though we can say, and we often do when we gather, though we can say grateful words to God, or we can recite psalms of thanksgiving like Psalm 138, about God's nature and about God's characteristics, real gratitude is, is, is only cultivated through our own firsthand experiences of him. And so here in Psalm 138, David is building, at the beginning of the psalm, he's building to praising God for two things that happened in his own life. And we see them there in verse three. On the day I called, you answered me, and then my strength of soul, you increased. Do you hear how that's firsthand? David prayed to God, and God answered him. He came through. He came through, and God increased his strength of soul. God gave him spiritual strength, endurance, and resilience in a critical moment where David needed it. 
as with many of the, the Psalms, we don't know what specific occasion David is referring to here in this Psalm. But that line there, my strength of soul you increased, it immediately brought to my mind an episode of David's life that's recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And in 1 Samuel 30, it's, this is before David has been installed as the king. He's been anointed as king, but not installed as the king of Israel. And so he and his mighty men, this group of people that is around him, they're living in the city called Ziklag. And while they're out one day, David and the men are out one day, the Amalekites, an enemy nation, they raid Ziklag and they burn the city to the ground and they kidnap all of the wives and the children of the men while they're gone. And as they return, David's men become so distraught and have so much anger, but misdirect that anger that they actually want to put David to death. They want to blame David and say, well, this is your fault this happened, so you're about to die. But in the midst of that, there's this incredible line. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David went to God in that moment and God provided spiritual strength and the perseverance he needed so that he did not just fall apart at the seams. Now, I don't know if that's what David had in mind when he wrote this psalm, but do you see how an experience like that, as well as many others in David's life, how an experience like that makes these big picture concepts about God tangible and how that therefore would lead to, to real gratitude? There's a difference between thanking God for being one who strengthens people. God, thank you that you strengthen people. And thanking God for the strength that he actually provided, strength that only he could provide when your wife and kids have been kidnapped and your home is in flames. It's a very different kind of gratitude. Now, it's not that the, the big picture or the characteristics of God are unimportant. Precisely the opposite. They're so important. And David begins this psalm, as we heard, praising God for those things, for his steadfast love, for his faithfulness, that God has exalted above all else his name and his word. But David is actually able to do that because those sometimes vague and slippery concepts like, what does it actually mean that God has steadfast love? What, what does it mean that God is faithful? Slippery concepts at times, but they have taken rock-solid shape in his own life. On this day that David called, God answered and God strengthened his soul. A couple years ago, uh, Bethel Music released a song called The Goodness of God. Now, theologically, I, I don't line up with everything about Bethel and, and Bethel music, so I tend to be a little bit guarded when I come across one of their songs or some of their lyrics, right? Again, gratitude, not a natural disposition for me. Way better at cynicism, perfectionism, things like that. So there's a line, though, in this song that just opens up my heart in gratitude every time I hear it. And it's a really simple line. It just says this, I have lived in the goodness of God. I have lived in the goodness of God. That's firsthand gratitude. Not just God is good, of course he is, but I have lived in the goodness of God. And for whatever reason, that just, when I hear those lyrics, it just stirs my soul to remember and be grateful for all of the ways I have seen and tasted the goodness of God in my own life. That, that for example, I was born into the family I was born into. Not, not one that's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but one that pursued faithfulness to Jesus. 
that I, maybe like some of you had the privilege of doing, grew up in a church where Jesus was known and proclaimed. I can think very quickly when I hear that line of all of these moments in my younger years, particularly my high school and college years, where God just disrupted my plans for my life and, I, and just broke apart this very small and utterly selfish view I had for what I wanted to do with my life. I'm grateful that this church was planted and that this church is still here almost 10 years in and that in so many ways it has become this beautiful expression of the body of Christ that you've experienced, some of you have, and other people in this region have experienced. I'm really grateful when I think about that line that I'm married to a woman that I don't just love, but that I like a lot. Like even more than I used to like her, which was already a lot. I don't take that for granted. I mean, I do sometimes. But when I hear those words, I'm like, nope, that's gratitude. That's not to be presumed upon. And I'm grateful that I've been blessed with three incredible daughters. You know, I used to complain that like I had no luck and no skill with the opposite sex. And so God just filled my entire house with them. (laughs) Now I've got a lot of ladies in my house. Very different than what I, yeah, okay. And, and, and I can think when I hear those words too, I can think of all these moments in my life where God just again and again showed up and strengthened my soul. And that in spite of my own insufficiency and my own shortcoming and my own sin and my own weakness, that God actually has used me sometimes in other people's lives and brought something helpful and meaningful to people around me. I've lived in the goodness of God. I have tasted and seen that God is good. And I can say that this morning just with a lot of joy in my heart. And here's what I would say to you. You can too. You can too. I know that's hard to see sometimes. Really hard to see. But even if it's work, even if it is a a discipline for you and not your natural disposition, you have your own firsthand experiences that will fuel gratitude to God. And so if you need to, keep a list. Keep a a folder. You know, people who think stuff like that's cheesy are often the ones who most need to do it because we're bad at it, because it's not our natural disposition. But let your firsthand experiences of God cultivate and fuel your gratitude. Do not settle for theoretical knowledge about God's steadfast love, about God's faithfulness. Recognize how you yourself have tasted it and have lived in it. So that's firsthand gratitude. Second, let's consider shared gratitude. Shared gratitude. In verse four, David starts to look beyond, far beyond his own firsthand experience. He's not the only one who will give thanks to God. No, as he says, all the kings of the earth will give thanks to God. That's a huge statement. It's a huge statement. Remember, David, throughout his whole life, was a man of war. He was regularly fighting against kings of other nations, the kings and nations that did not worship God. And yet here he is proclaiming this cosmic global gratitude from all of the kings of the earth. Now that is, of course, David's heritage. Centuries earlier, God promised to bless David's forefather, Abraham, so that through his family, all of the nations, all of the peoples of the earth would be blessed. God chose this one nation on earth so that through that one nation, all nations would come to him, would worship him, would would give thanks to him. And this is also the trajectory of the world. 
So centuries later, the Apostle Paul will write that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we see there in John's vision in the book of Revelation, this great multitude worshiping God around his throne is a multitude made up of people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. But what we see here in Psalm 138, that this is not just heritage or trajectory for David. For David, this is desire. It's his desire and it's his mission. How are these kings of the earth going to hear the words of God? How are they going to know the ways of the Lord so that they can sing about them? Well, in part, that's going to happen through David. Through David. See, the success and the deliverance and the strength that God brings to David, that he experienced throughout his life, was never just about David. There's a purposeful progression that plays out over and over again in his life, and you hear David allude to it there in verse 6, where he's saying, God humbles the proud, in essence. God humbles the proud, but exalts the humble. David here is filled with gratitude to God. And gratitude, by definition, by nature, is humble. Because it is giving the credit, it's giving the thanks to someone else, to God specifically. And so in his humility, God then exalts David. At the very same time, all of these other arrogant, self-sufficient kings of the earth are boasting in their own strength, they're boasting in false gods, and they're being brought low. So as David defeats some of those kings and rejoices, not in himself and his own strength, but in God, These other nations, these other people start to hear the words of God. They start to learn the ways of the Lord. And the hope of all of that is that they would also humble themselves and that they would give thanks to the one true God. So looking forward to this day when all the kings of the earth will give thanks to God, David wants to be part of that. He wants to see some of that actually happen now in his day, in his lifetime, through him. He's excited for this to not just be his own firsthand gratitude, but a shared gratitude. Gratitude is one of those things that that begets more of itself. Gratitude begets gratitude. And, And that's true on a micro level in our own lives. The more that we cultivate gratitude in our own hearts, the easier and more natural gratitude becomes. You might not have a natural disposition toward gratitude, but if you cultivate it, it will become more natural. But our gratitude on, the, on a larger scale, on a broader scope, our gratitude also invites other people around us to be grateful. Our gratitude, especially to God, focuses people's attention on God rather than ourselves. And because of that, gratitude is actually really powerful in mission, in sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. We want other people to worship God. We want other people to acknowledge him and humble themselves and put their faith in him. We don't want people to wait for this future day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We want other people like David does here in verse 2 and like we do as followers of Jesus. We want people to right now bow before God, to worship him, to give our thanks to him. Our gratitude, our expressing our thanks to God calls other people to that. And it calls other people to that in a way I think that's, that's really compelling. And it can reach across the boundaries of nations and racial and ethnic groups and geographic distance. It can even reach across the boundary of your own yard or your own shared wall. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, how many people have heard you express gratitude to God? 
out loud and publicly. How, how, how normal is it for you just to be able to express thanks to God for something in your life, in your conversations with people? Are there ways that you can give thanks to God among people in your life who at present are not Christians, who don't acknowledge him, who don't humble themselves before him? These past couple weeks even, we, we've heard a few Olympic athletes do that. Uh, they've competed well, they've won a medal perhaps, and they've said, you know, I really want to give credit, I want to give thanks, I want to give glory to God for enabling me to do this. But I want you to hear this morning, you don't have to have a platform like that for this to be meaningful. In fact, I think it's often more meaningful when you don't have a platform like that, but just in the course of everyday life and conversation, you're just grateful. It's, it's like, imagine this, we actually as the people of God are thankful for the things God has blessed us with and the way God's sustaining us. And we just find a way in normal conversation to share that. So don't just cultivate gratitude for your own sake. Cultivate gratitude so that it will be shared, that others might in your gratitude see the glory of God and humble themselves and then themselves give thanks to him. So that's firsthand and shared gratitude. Third, and finally, enduring gratitude enduring gratitude. Psalm 138 ends with David anticipating future reasons to be grateful, even more gratitude. So he's looked backward to his firsthand experiences. He's been stirred up in that, but now he looks forward to a lifetime and even beyond that to an eternity of more reasons to be thankful. Look again there at verse eight. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do you hear the confidence in David in that statement? Do you hear the expectation? God will continue to answer me when I call. God will continue to strengthen my soul. His steadfast love and his faithfulness are not just in the rearview mirror for me. They will endure forever. But at the same time, this expectation is not presuming upon God or taking him for granted. Gratitude, real gratitude, does not make David, does not make us arrogant. It makes us humbly confident. Humbly confident. And so David actually ends this this psalm with a request, with a humble request. Do not forsake the work of your hands. It's always for the people of God. It's always, God will do this and... God, please do this. We say those things from the same heart of gratitude together. We say, God will do this. God, please do this. And years later, the Apostle Paul will go on to write something very similar to this in Philippians chapter 1. Paul will write there, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. See, that, that same humble confidence that David has about what God's going to do for him. The apostle Paul actually has that confidence for all the saints, for all people who put their faith in Jesus. See, like David, we get to anticipate this future, that God will fulfill his purpose for us, that he will bring his good work to completion in you, in us. Our gratitude will be as enduring as he is. Our gratitude will be as enduring as his steadfast love. And as David says here, his steadfast love endures forever and therefore so will our gratitude. We can give God thanks now for things that have not yet happened, but surely will. See church, we know 
the end of this story. We know it actually even better than David did in his day. God did fulfill his purpose for David. And from him, generations later, came the greater David, Jesus Christ, the one who sits now and will sit forever on David's throne. And we read Paul write this elsewhere in the New Testament. All of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in him. All that was needed to secure this future has been accomplished already in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And as the Apostle John records in his gospel, those whom he loves, he loves to the end. Those whom God loves, those whom Jesus loves, he loves to the end. Often when when we think about gratitude, all we think about is the past. Little monuments to how we have tasted and seen God's goodness, how we have experienced his deliverance and his preservation. And those monuments are beautiful. I hope you have them in your life. I hope you remember them and write them down if you need to. There's nothing wrong with monuments. Actually reflecting on this very psalm, the Puritan commentator Matthew Henry asked God to make his whole life a monument. He said, God, make my life a monument to your, to your love. And monuments we, we read throughout scripture, they are biblical examples of gratitude. They're these tangible, physical expressions that help people remember and thereby give thanks to God for the work that he's done. But as I was thinking about that, this week, I was reminded of William Faulkner's words. William Faulkner once wrote about the difference between monuments and footprints. Monuments and footprints. And here's how he put it. He said, a monument only says, at least I got this far. A footprint says, this is where I was when I moved again. A monument says, at least I got this far. A footprint says, this is where I was when I moved again. And friends, I, I would submit to you this morning, that's how we can cultivate hearts of gratitude. See the footprints. Look at where you have been. Look at what God has brought you through and where he's brought you from. Recall those firsthand experiences, how he has strengthened and sustained you in your life. But at the very same time, have confident expectation, humble confidence for more. This life that you and I get to live before the face of God is not one where we ever have to settle for monuments and simply say, gosh, well, at least I got that far. No, our lives before the face of God because of Jesus are lives where we get to say, that's where I was when God moved again. And we get to say that again and again and again until the day that he brings all of his good work to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. These past months, have been hard and complicated and stressful. Even more than normal, gratitude has not been a natural disposition, but a discipline. But I want you to see just a glimpse this morning. 2020, as crappy as it felt, 2021, early 2021, some of the same, that is where we were when God moved again, church. Thanks be to God, those same months... God brought new people to this church, 20 new in covenant members in those same months. Not to mention a number of other people who consider this church to be their home now and a number of visitors that have come. And thanks be to God, we in those same months got to ordain three new elders. 
In those same months, we were still able to meet our budget and also give even more money than we were planning to away to church planting and local ministries of mercy partners and other kinds of initiatives for things here in this region and beyond. And thanks be to God, as we'll do in just a little while at Prayers of the People today, over these months, that's when God was at work in the Robinson family. And we get to send them out today to plant a new church in Tampa. We get to take one of our best families and for the hope and in the confident expectation that there will be more people in Tampa, Florida that give thanks to God, that humble themselves and give their own thanks to God, we get to send out one of our best families to go plant a new church there. Liberty Church, God has moved again. And because his steadfast love endures forever, because he will fulfill his purpose, as surely as I stand before you this morning, I tell you, from this day forward, he will move again. He will move again. So for what he's done and for what he will do, may you be stirred in your soul, in your heart, with gratitude to God today. May today even become one more of those footprints. And not long from now, may you look back on this day. And may you say of August 8th, 2021, that is where I was when God moved again. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, you have done great things and we are filled with joy. Help us to see your goodness, to taste and see, to live in your goodness. We have lived in it. Help us to see all of those examples of it. Help us to share it with other people. Make it natural for us to give thanks to you in our daily lives and help us to see that we not only can look backward and rejoice and have gratitude for what you have done, but in confident expectation of all that you will do. As we have received the good news of Jesus for ourselves, help us to gratefully share it with other people. It's by your grace alone we are what we are. And so we ask now that in us and that through us, God, you would bring all of your good works to completion. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.